welcome to the FlexPoint Fireside Chat, where we discuss navigating the critical inflection points of business and life. In this episode, Steve Abernathy and Michael Daney share their wisdom on leadership, key differentiators in transformation, and change management. Steve is the Vice President of Service Excellence and Advanced Analytics at ArchRock and has worked with Michael and the FlexPoint team on major transformation efforts. Here's more from Steve. You know, I think good leadership, you, you know, you, you definitely, to me, have to be vulnerable in front of your people. They have to know that you're a real human being, that you care, you've got some humility and stuff, you know. And, you know, one of the things I think that's that's important is is making sure people know you care. And you can show that in more ways than you think, but little things matter, right? And, you know, to me, it's always making sure I thank everybody, recognize people in the mornings when I walk in and just go out of your way to learn something about somebody when you're in the galley, you know, that you might not normally talk to. And those are all just, just key things. I make sure that I, you know, little things, I just give a couple of quick examples. You know, one is typically all the people that work for me get a Christmas card from me. Yep. You know, the people, whenever I give them their bonus letters or their merit letters and stuff like that, I don't just give them the letter with my signature. I make sure that I tell them how much I care, how much they've done to make an impact to the company. Those personalized letters I found out later were very important to people, very important. And they, they looked forward to that recognition and, and it's deserved. And we, we need to be those kind of leaders that take it. And I actually picked up on that letter writing thing, reading the book, one of Lou Holtz's books. Uh-huh. He is a, was a, may still be a prolific recognition person and letter writing person and does those things. And I thought, well, golly, if he can do it, by gosh, that's the kind of leader I want to be. Yeah. I mean, I think those things go such a long way. I also, I've got a stack of stack of stationery that I once or twice a week write on. I have terrible handwriting. It's probably painful for people to look at it, but I think it means so much more when someone takes a minute to write something personal and specific uh, about what you did versus just saying it in passing or, or an email. And I think the other thing that comes to mind as you were talking about both the vulnerability piece and the getting to know folks on an individual personal level is those things are great leadership qualities regardless at any time. But I think they're especially important during times of change because that's when folks naturally feel the most uncertainty and anxiety. And so knowing that their leader is kind of with them on the journey, uh, I think is so meaningful. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you got also as a leader and all of that, have a little fun and have some fun in the in and around the people in the office because if everything is serious all the time man it's just good gosh who wants to come to work in that every day and you know you can't do these things in the office anymore we used to do a lot of you know safe practical jokes even when I was at Texas Tech at Halliburton you know, things that, that make it fun. And so, you know, you can't necessarily do that in today's world. So, but you can still, you know, have fun and cut up and, you know, make fun of yourself even, you know, that yep. people really enjoy those things. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, well, we kind of kind of started going down this path and talking about leadership and some leadership practices. But when you think about the different transformation initiatives you've led and been a part of, you, you always joke you could write a book with all these <laughs> lessons learned. What is another kind of key lesson learned that jumps out at you as being really important in those times of change? Kind of the first thing for me when I think about change and leading these kind of change efforts, there's two things that jump out immediately. The first one is you have to truly assess your processes and identify the differentiators in those. And I say that to mean, are you really transforming this, this effort or are you really just doing a process improvement? And then if you really want to transform the company, what are the things that are really going to differentiate you in this transformation? You've got to rigorously assess that then deeply because true transformation is you, you're fixing to change a lot of the ways you do things and behave differently and expect people to behave differently. And that's, that's a huge difference than let's go do a Kaizen event, right? Yeah. That's a huge difference. Um, and so you really have to be serious about it when you're doing it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big investment and you need to make sure you clearly understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's, that's the number one thing yeah. that I would do before I ever took off on any of it. And I, I think along those lines, we've talked about this some um, in the past too, but in the same way you said, you know, kind of, is it just process improvement or is it true transformation? I think the other flavor of that is, is it transformation or is it just modernizing some technology? Because yes. a lot of our clients right now aren't trying to totally transform their business. They're saying, how do I get off a 30 year old mainframe and onto a cloud ERP or cloud right. technology? That's still very hard. It's a tough yes. journey. It requires a lot of these lessons, but it has a little different flavor than we want to create a new business line or we want to radically reinvent the way we serve our customers yeah. or those things um, that really are kind of transforming the the model. And I think that idea you said about which pieces of the business are differentiating is so important, especially if you're trying to slam any of that into a commercial off-the-shelf solution. Like, Figure out the processes that you can standardize that don't matter. And then the other 20% of secret sauce stuff, that's where you invest in building up your own way of, of doing it for a competitive Absolutely. advantage. The big differentiator, you know, and that's kind of, you know, in the process edge written a long time ago by Keen, you know, one of the things he not talks about is what is your identity process? How, you know, that identity that those one or two or three processes that differentiate you from anybody else. And how do you capitalize on that? Right. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, and a lot of times you do have to transform those things over time because the market changes, the world changes around them and it does, you know, put you at a disadvantage. Yeah, no and doubt. Today with competitors that can come in with technology and stuff and innovate over the top of you, it's extremely important to, make sure you're always looking forward. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have said it better better myself. I think that's a great one to start on around kind of what your differentiators are. What's another another key lesson that jumps out at you? I think the the second biggest lesson and the thing that you've got to do and this is probably harder than the first one because this gets personal. 
you really have to assess your team and leadership capacity for this level of change. It is tough because you've got to assess up and down the chain. You know, if you're the CEO, you got to be assessing your executive team's ability to change. If you're an exec senior executive, you got to be looking at the next level down. You know, or your or your senior director VPs can they lead you through this kind of change? And the truth is, if they can't, then you've got to make a change. You've got to find somebody that can fulfill that. Because if you don't, you you're you're going to be in trouble at some point in this kind of change. And and even if you've got the right people in your IT or your operational, that next level down, that senior level is so important to the making it sticky, but also making it happen at that time. So that's a critical piece of the whole thing. I mean, some of those, you know, you'll be able to move and some of those you won't be able to move. So that's very, very tough. And yeah, uh, it's hard to do because sometimes it's like, man, they're great, but maybe they're great at maintaining, but maybe they're not great at growing. Yeah. And you, I think you need somebody that's ready to that can transform you. And if you are, if you don't have it, you got to make the move. Agreed. And you you hit the nail on the head. It's that's a really tough part of it because most most organizations don't start out saying I want to do a talent management assessment. They start out saying I need to fix my processes or increase my gross margin or implement this new technology. And it it quickly becomes to do that. You need to have the right team in place at the highest level and driving sure. it. And I, I can say this as the consultant, no matter how good the consultants or partners you bring in are, if you don't have the right core team internally, you're not setting yourself up yeah. for, for success. Right. And you won't, you don't have to go very far down this path. Realize we don't have the right person here. We don't have the right person there. Yep. Can you get somebody there? Sometimes you can, but not always. You know, because sometimes it, maybe it is just change and helping them move down that change curve. But a lot of times is if they don't come with the skill set and they don't have the the that mental aptitude for what you're really trying to do, they're not going to get there. They're just not never going to get them there. Yeah, it's an an uphill uphill climb. And I think that the one other piece of this that that uh, I think we've we've seen, and I think your organization did this and has done this exceptionally well is not only do you have the right people, but are you willing to put some of your best people on the transformation project instead of saying, I have to protect them. I need them for their day job, but really being able to say, Hey, who are the right mix of folks to drive this change? We'll backfill, we'll find the right mix, but let's take some high potential kind of future leaders and folks that know the business really well and embed them in the change initiative. I think that's something that really was a differentiator in some of the the wins as part of the the work that you and our truck have been doing over the last several years. Absolutely. And I, you know, we we got early agreement from the senior leadership of the company that we want to put our best people on it because it it was obviously extremely important to to the not just the success of the program, but the success of the company. And with you know, I've did feel really good that we put some really good people out on it. Yeah. Okay. I lo love your first two. What's your third, third big lesson, Steve? The third big lesson is kind of a combination. I think that 
you know, you've got to really look at your change strategy and it, and it goes into your whole communication plan and all that, but your change strategy kind of sitting underneath this other big piece, which is what's your really, what's, what's your big picture view of this change? What's it look like? What's this vision of the future look like? You've got to sell that and sell it over and over and over. To do that, you need a good, innovative change strategy to support that. And that change strategy has to be comprehensive. You know, I think the biggest thing that I see that we did invest well in was change management in the, in the you know, really getting this vision out, the compelling change the, around that. Because I've seen other efforts fail over time and talking to other colleagues at other organizations, it fails because that's the one thing that I think, you know, I was talking to somebody just today, you know, about change management and they're like, yeah, that's the one thing that I, that too often happens is they redline change management. Okay. We want to spend this, but we really don't need to spend that much on change management. Let's take that and cut it by 75%. And that's probably one of the worst things you can do. I'm not going to say you can't overinvest in change management. You obviously could, but I think if you innovate and you're smart about how you go about doing it and you invest in that, because the training that comes away from it, the ongoing change management is is huge. If you're going to move, move the needle and really get that to, to be, you know, a part of who you are going forward. Yeah. Well said. I, I may have told you this before, but I used the analogy a couple of years ago, I was buying a new car and they said, oh, if you want the blind spot warning and the rear view camera, that's an add-on package. And I said, what do you mean it's an add-on package? That's core to what I want. Like I've been driving a 15 year old car. The whole reason I want a new car is for some of the safety features. That's core. And I think that's how change management gets treated. Like yes. It's an add-on package. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's core to the success and safety of the program uh, to really think about how are you enabling and empowering your team members, your customers, whomever, yeah. to kind of come along for that journey. Absolutely. For sure. You know, and I think recognition along the way, I've always been a strong believer when you're going through change that you know people are always talking about the fence sitters and the naysayers and they want to go over and spend all their time with naysayers and i say no you know i say you go spend your time with the champions put them up on a pedestal mm -hmm. recognize them reward them and when they're up on the pedestal they're here they're going to start moving off the fence yep. they'll start moving at least to the fence right and that's what you got to do because you could you can waste so much energy on naysayers, right? And you know if you know where they're at and they're in that bucket, you start moving these over here. They're re recognized for it. They're rewarded for it. Um, people will start moving because they're like, that's where the North Star is now. We got to move, and that's what's going to happen. So don't overly invest in trying to convince naysayers. Move them one direction or the other. Yeah. No, I think that is. So spot on. And, uh, you know, it's it's all human nature. I mean, I, I always joke that probably you're the same way. If I weren't doing this, I might have ended up as a psychology major diagnosing why people do and act and think the way they think. I think that's all true. And yeah. in, uh, in this kind of work, too, is 
everyone's human and trying to navigate change on their own and figure out what it means for them and the good, the bad, the ugly of it. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that when we're so focused on a project plan or the technology or whatever that kind of may mask that underlying yes. piece. Yep. For sure. Uh, any other big lessons you wanted to highlight? You know, I think the last big one that I would highlight um, really is around choosing the right partners to work with. It is, there's no science to that in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and part of, part of me historically is, has went through some rigorous assessments, you know, ways to think about choosing the right partners. And part of it is also, you know, you call it gut feel, but if you, if you don't feel as you're going through this and you've kind of made the scientific assessment of it, that you have chemistry, especially if they're not giving you the program leaders, the ones that are going to be up front, you don't feel chemistry with this organization, run. Yep. You should run and go, go look for that organization that can be there for you from a chemistry standpoint. And too often, organizations also look at you know well that's the you hate to say it oh that's man they're right near the bottom and i think they can do it on price and everything else and everything and it's just so tempting to just jump right in that part right but you really didn't feel the chemistry you didn't really feel like it was there but it was just tempting that they had kind of checked all the boxes so choosing your partners wisely is so so important right yeah, you know, just can't cannot overemphasize that enough because you're fixing to hang your organization on with these partners and what you're what you're fixing to do, you know. And so that also needs to make sure you got higher level eyes on it and everything else as you're as everybody else down here is digging into the technical aspects of these things and. You know, there's a lot of lessons learned inside there of choosing these partners and systems and all of that, that, that you've got to kind of peel that onion back with them and dig deeper. Yeah, That's what I've seen in lessons learned and failures is, you know, man, if we'd had known this when we walked in, I would have asked these questions. We would have looked at this and would have talked more about this particular aspect. Yeah. So they just can't, you know. <laughs> It's it's expensive when you when you choose wrong. It is, and uh, and I think that there's a layer on that too. We we experience this in working together. Is you're not just choosing one partner on some of these large transformative efforts. You might have an ecosystem of four or five or ten different partners between Absolutely. a general contractor and system integrators and software partners, and so it gets very messy very quickly. And I think the choosing each of them wisely with the chemistry and the skills and experience, but also the then, and I think you you helped us do this really well at Artrock, being thoughtful about roles and responsibilities and clarifying between all the partners and yes. the internal team who's doing what, because otherwise it can get into turf wars and finger pointing and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's not your traditional Rasky chart for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, especially when you get into governance and, you know, because, you know, everybody gets on the playing field, so to say, but 
Yeah. You know, how well are they going to play together once they're really under the, you know, under the, under the gun, so to say, it's a, it's a different, different thing when you're working with that many at one time, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, Hey, I, I think if, if you're really working on a book on all these lessons learned, we might've just scratched the surface of chapter one, but yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we've covered so much ground in a short time today. And I know those that are watching are I'm sure are learning and, jotting down notes. Um, and I just really appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to continuing to partner with you and, uh, and help, help drive change. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to, to spend a little time with you and with, with some of your customers and others that can maybe learn a little bit of, you know, the pain we've gone through, but there's been some good things too, that came out the end of the pipeline, so to say. So no doubt the, the road goes on forever as we like to say. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> uh, well, hey, thanks so much, Steve. All right. See you.